Last week we shared about the gospel encounter, and I just want to follow up with that today. And I humbly do this and just say, Lord, you got to help me today, um, really think through my, my mind and speak through my lips today. But uh, I think the best thing to do before we get into God's word today is have a word of prayer. And let's just ask the Lord to bless. Uh, his word's already blessed, but bless us who hear the word today. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful, amazing opportunity to come together. That, Lord, we can be encouraged as Christians. Our joy could be made full. We could top off our joy today by hearing your word. Not because of us, but in spite of us, Lord, your word is powerful all by itself. And I pray that your word speaks that volumes that we cannot say, what we cannot uh, convey in English, Lord, or what we cannot say in our language, Lord. We pray that you would speak your heavenly language through your word today, that, Lord, you would speak through our hearts and change our lives. And, Lord, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. And everybody said, amen. amen. We talked about encounter of the gospel encounter last week and really just talked about how that the gospel of Jesus Christ reaches those who are untouchable. How many believe that with all your heart? The gospel reaches those who are untouchable, unlovely, unwanted, uninvited, come on, unwelcomed, and the gospel reaches out. And such a powerful revelation in the book of Acts that was happening, such an amazing movement that was happening, uh, it was that people were getting saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And that revelation was amazing. But the revelation that the gospel was bringing so many people across lines of, uh, of, of, of uh, you know, gender and race and, and uh, social status was mind-boggling. It was so amazing what was happening, and yet there was such a fight for it. There was such a fight about it. There was such contention over it. But how many know God's Word gets it right every time? God's Word sets us free. And, and I believe that, that Jesus Christ, when He brought His Gospel, Amen, the Gospel of the Kingdom, it was the original liberator for women. Amen. Come on. Amen. Come on. You want to talk about a, a civil rights movement. Amen. There was no civil rights bill that was written like the gospel. Amen. Because it liberates and sets free and it, and, it, and, it, and it kind of blows away, the Bible says, every wall of partition that we set up, that we establish as human beings. The Bible says he blows right through that and, and God's love is for whosoever will come. How many believe that? God's love and God's plan of salvation has come for whosoever will come. And I, I love that about the gospel. And I love that about the Lord and how we see um, really God moving in such an, a dynamic way. We talked a little bit about how that uh, God had brought such a revelation to the Apostle Paul about those who were not Jews, that they really needed to hear the gospel despite them being Gentiles. And then also we saw where there was a story of a woman who was uh, unwelcomed uh, and she was an un uninvited guest. And uh, to sit at Jesus' feet back then because Jesus was called the teacher, for a woman to sit at a, a, a teacher's feet was wrong because she was not able to learn. Only the men could learn. She had to serve. She had to do this. But what a powerful message Jesus was giving. Amen. That not only am I going to touch and reach, amen, unlovely people, uninvited guests, unwanted people, but I'm going to break through cultural barriers. I'm going to break down every wall of partition between you, and I'm going to liberate those who are bound. Come on. I'm going to set free those who are bound by man's cultural boundaries, by man's rules. Come on. Amen. And even the Jewish rules and ceremonies that they had, the Bible makes it clear that God's cutting right through those. 
Amen. That it wasn't about the offering of the doves and the lambs and the goats anymore. That Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins. Amen. How many believe that? Amen. Let's get into God's word today. In Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read a couple of verses and share them. And I just want to, I guess, the gospel encounter. And just part 2, I guess you could say. Amen. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. It, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. And he says this. I'm reading out of the NIV. But he... Um, Paul begins to talk to the church and, and he opens up the letter with a very serious sentence and, and paragraph there and, and a thought. But he continues on at the end and he says this and he ends up saying this. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's what we're going to see today in water baptism. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For we are one in Christ Jesus. In verse 29. And if you are Christ. So if you are Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. In other words. He's saying flat out. That you belong to Christ. We're all one in Christ. You don't have to be a Jew now. To inherit Abraham's promise. Amen. That's what he's saying. Now you're Abraham's seed. He just cuts right through all those racial and cultural barriers. And he says, now that you're of Christ, the promise that was to Abraham and his seed is also your promise. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And so he, he begins to address some things. As we look at the book of Acts, one of the things that we see that was so amazing and so beautiful, if you can say that, so awesome, was the fact that the gospel, the redeeming gospel of Jesus Christ unified people of all race, gender, and social class. In fact, the book of Acts repeatedly doesn't just mention people by name, but he men they mention people by groups. By, come on, by, they, 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 last week we talked about uh, Cornelius, who was of the Italian band, is what they said. So he's talking about the Italians now getting saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. Thank God, because uh, you know pork chops are great, but you need some pasta with it, right? So he's, you know, he's saying these things. And, and, and one of the most beautiful things that we see, the spread of the gospel, was this redeeming work of Jesus through, through the cross that brought us together uh, across all these lines that we have set up and all these things over the years. Because at that time, there was probably not a, a, another time in history. There was just a few, but maybe this is one of the times in history that they were so divided. There was so much barriers and so much division and so much animosity and so much, uh, uh, you know, just contention at the time over things. Not just politically because the Romans ruled, but even in, among the people of God. Can you imagine that? Among the church. There was a lot of division in the church. And so at this time, and it was written during this very volatile time, and so we see that it just doesn't talk about people by name, but it mentions them by group. And even the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2, it says that every language was in Jerusalem at that time. Because God wanted to reveal to us that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for every language, for every race, for every gender, for every social class. It cuts right through it and we become one in Jesus Christ. See, God's plan was not to have a bunch of people worshiping Him, but to have one church worshiping Him. Amen. People coming together, not as individuals, but coming together through Jesus Christ as one. 
Amen. Unique as we are. Amen. That shouldn't divide us. That brings us together in Christ. Can you say amen? Our differences should not separate us. They should unite us in Christ. Amen. Come on. There's things that unite us in Christ. And so we see this and, and, and what God is doing through the gospel. And I've noticed this about the gospel of Jesus Christ and, the, and, the, and the, if I could say the gospel doctrine. Is that you could have a gospel doctrine and not live in a gospel culture. And as a church, a River Valley church, we don't want just a gospel doctrine that people know it. And we sing about it. We talk about it occasionally. But we live out of a, go, a gospel culture. Hello, the same atmosphere, the same teachings, the same results that they had in the book of Acts, the same ideology, the same philosophy that was going on with the believers of the book of Acts. Can you say amen? So that's what we want here at our church because that's what we see in scriptures. Amen? And so that's what we want. We don't want just gospel doctrine. We want a gospel culture. Amen? Where it cuts through all of our barriers and divides and all of our beliefs uh, as far as in the systems of the world and, and our, our political beliefs. All, it, it just kind of, it not just cuts through it, but it supersedes it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Amen. And so, you know, you can't have kingdom community without kingdom unity. It has to be God's way. It has to be God's way. How many believe that? You can't just have a community of people. That's great. You, I mean, you can have it. But, you know, to really have it the way God wants us to have it, we've got to do it God's way. And I believe the gospel encounter in our lives should be what it was in the book of Acts. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. And it wasn't just uh, something that they talked about. It was something that was practiced among believers. It was not just a... It was not just something God was doing at that time. It was something that God was going to do from for the rest of time. There was a standard being established there. There was a standard in the book of Acts that was being established. Not just, not just this is the way you preach the gospel, but this is the, this is the theology of God. This was the practice of the gospel. This was the lifestyle of the gospel. Amen. Is what he's saying. And so I believe that. But the key verse, let me go back to our text today. I need to hurry today. We got a lot going on. In in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28. That's the key verse. He said there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ. Let me just say this right off the top. That does not mean in any way shape or form that God is non-binary. Hello. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not saying that there's no such thing as male and female anymore. You can be what you want. It's not what he's saying. Hello. Not saying that at all. But he specifically names three things that I think that we need to look at as Christians and, and not be afraid to look at and talk about it. But he names race, social status, and gender. He says Jew or Greek, bond or free, or male or female. He, he clearly states race, social status, and gender. And so... What he, he begins to teach here, and what we see all through the book of Acts and the rest of the Bible, is that an, an encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ is an encounter with the kingdom of God. I mean, it's like you begin to understand who God is, right? He loves you, he died for you. But then you begin to understand that he's speaking from his kingdom. 
He's not speaking from an earthly point of view, from a political point of view, from a cultural point of view. He's speaking from a kingdom point of view. Hello. Amen. He's speaking from a heavenly kingdom point of view. And but God always addresses us like that because that's how we're supposed to live. I like to call this message kingdom race theology. <laughs> Hello. Because a lot of, and I, and I just, I guess I'm shocked today in the last couple of years that we've heard it over and over again. Uh, it's been uh, on the radar for a long time, been talked about for a little bit. Now it seems to be shouted from the rooftops, and that is, which a lot of Christians now are embracing, uh, a kind of a, a it is a, a system of belief that is, that is from the world, and that is critical race theory. Stay with me. But instead of embracing that as Christians, we need to be embracing the kingdom race theology. Because race is a kingdom issue. Whew, felt that. Gender is a kingdom issue. Life in the womb is a kingdom issue. It's not a political issue. We've made it that. It's not. It goes beyond that. And I'm not talking to people who don't know the Lord. I'm talking to believers today. I'm talking if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, amen, you need to take on and live from a kingdom race theology. Hello. Amen. Because it is an issue. And it is, there is a belief, there is a, a doctrine, if you will, or a theology, if you will, that is from the kingdom of God about these things. Amen. Hello. Whew, I got through it. I said it. No, I'm just kidding. Amen. But let me just share with from my heart today. Because really what we see is we see this in the world. We see these all these ideas and all these philosophies and all these things. And if we're not careful, if we, we are more concerned about our political view, amen, that's how we view everything. If we're more concerned about our cultural view and we protect that and we look from that more, we'll never see through the kingdom idea, again, the kingdom theology. And as a believer, you are not born of this world you're born of the spirit you're part of the kingdom of God all those things are secondary to the kingdom of God that includes the theology of the kingdom the practices of the kingdom the behaviors of the kingdom hello I'm, I'm, I'm meddling now I understand that but that's that's the gospel of Jesus Christ he doesn't leave these things on the side of the road for us to decide and we, we kind of make our own way through those things. There is a theology of the kingdom. Hello. And there is a belief system of the kingdom that we come in line with and we've got to live from that. And we as Christians have got to speak from that. We've got to believe on that. Come on. We talk that way. We walk that way. You Come on. You vote that way. Hello. All right. I'll stop with that one. Because it is. And, and, and I just want to go through this thing. Some of the things that I feel that, um, you know, that really is so clear. And I'm going to share with you today about kingdom race theology. Number one, here, here it is. We are born again through Christ and into his kingdom. How many know that kind of, sounds kind of simple, doesn't it? But that is the kingdom theology. That we, we as people from every language, from every generation, from every culture, from every walk of life, from every color. We are, if you're born again, you're born again in Christ. You're not born again into a church. You're not born again into a system of beliefs. Come on, you're not born into a denomination. You're born again in Christ Jesus. Amen. And your citizenship is not of this world. Now you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
Amen. So all your ideology, all your thinking, all your, all your philosophy has to come from what you're born out of, and that is the kingdom of God. I'm not born in the will of man. I'm not here because, I, well, I belong to this denomination. I'm here because Jesus Christ saved me and made me his own. Amen. Amen. And so that's the first thing we come to understand is that we have an intimate relationship with the Lord and through Jesus that we have fellowship with God, that we are made new in Christ, that we are made new in Christ. Hear me, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This was the revelation in the book of Acts. Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. How many know this sounds simple, but it's so powerful? This is the kingdom theology. That Jesus is our Savior and our Lord. He's our, our, we are His followers and His disciples. When you say that you're a disciple of Jesus, when you get baptized, you're declaring that now I am a Christ follower. I am a disciple of Jesus. He is my teacher. And when you're a disciple of somebody, amen, you dress like them. If they have a beard, you have a beard. <laughs> Come on. You, you, you follow their every teaching. You, you, you pattern your life after everything they do. That's how serious they took that in the New Testament, the beginning of the church. When you were a disciple of Jesus, that means that everything that he said, everything, right down to, his, to, the, to the very period and the T's cross, you had to follow those because you were his disciple. Uh-oh. Amen. I'm not just a follower or somebody that walks back, back in the back somewhere and shows up to church occasionally. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not following a bunch of people around that don't know where they're going or just claim to be religious. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And so that's the first thing. And the other thing that's very important about this is that we serve one God because there's only one true and living God. How many believe that? There's not three gods or five gods or ten gods. There's, there's not, uh, you know, eight ways to heaven. There's not six different people we're praying to. There's one God. I said that's kingdom theology. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 and 6 says that there is one body. Oh, there, there may be a lot of churches in Williamsport, but we're part of one body. One spirit. Just as you were called to one hope of his calling, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. I think that makes it kind of clear. Amen. There's one God. <laughs> and there's one plan of salvation. There's not eight different ways to heaven. See, the gospel is narrow in context. Isn't it? In content. It's narrow in content. But its, its scope is broad, meaning that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the narrow content of the gospel. But it's broad in the sense that whoever will come, whoever will be baptized and repent and be baptized shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. You believe that? Hallelujah. And so there's one Lord. One, one God, and we're born again through Jesus and his kingdom. I just wanted to throw this out, you know, for what it's worth. I'll never forget, as a young man, I had a friend of mine, and we were good friends, really good friends, and, and uh, you know, I'll never forget, uh, he's just this guy, great guy, loved him so much, African-American friend, he's great, and we went into his house for the first time, and I'll never forget, I was like, on the wall, there's a picture, right, of Jesus, and, and he's black. And I'm like, 
okay. Right? And then I went into this, one time I went into this uh, Chinese restaurant. And these my friends of mine were Christian. And they were like, oh yeah, we're Christian. See, we've got a picture of Jesus. And I look and he, he's Asian. He's, he's got the halo light. It's all right there. He's just got this Fu Manchu thing going on. I'm like, one time I was in a truck stop, right? And I was never forgetting the truck stop and had all this good. And I look and I saw this picture and Jesus and he got this headdress on. He's got this beads and everything. It looks Native American. I'm like, okay. But let me tell you something, whether you think and you have a picture of Jesus like that in your home, because, you know, growing up, he was blonde hair, blue eyed, right? Do you remember those, right? And then as I got older, he's Italian, had dark hair, you know, and, and dark eyes and always doing this finger thing, right? And, you know, whatever. And some of you grew up with that and who's on the wall, right? And everything. It doesn't matter. If he had blonde hair, blue eyes, whether he had beads or an afro, I'm going to tell you something. There was one God, amen, and you may see him in that way or whatever, but we serve one God. There's not eight different gods. Amen. That's all right. Hang that picture up. But there's still one God. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. There's one thing I will not say. I will not say that God is a woman. <laughs> Amen. But number two, kingdom theology, I need to move on here, is that we are one in Jesus Christ. This is mind-boggling to the average person. This is, should be so revolutionary to us. This is something that should really change us. I mean, absolutely, um, really change us in a drastic way, that we are one in Jesus Christ because of what Jesus did at Calvary. We have reconciliation in Christ Jesus. See, we are reconciled back to God through Christ Jesus. But here's what's amazing. We are reconciled to one another. Did you know that? We're reconciled to one another through Christ. And so the Bible makes it clear that the church is the called out ones. You know what it says? Doesn't it say that Christians are called Christ followers? So how many called out ones do we have in this room? I'm giving an altar call after church. How many Christians uh, that we have in this room? How many Christ followers do we have in this room? And yet I look out and I see different ages, generation, colors. I see different people from walks of life, different languages. And yet we are one in Christ. That's what's so awesome about it. We are one in Christ. And we have this unity. Listen, I don't have to try to make unity up. I already have unity with you in Christ. I have to walk in it. We don't have to create unity. We need unity meetings because we got to, no, no, we have unity. Amen. Had coffee with a precious uh, a pastor friend of mine here in the city. And we can just sit and talk about Jesus and we can share because we're brothers in Christ. Amen. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 and 11, I love this. This uh, uh, really, he, he, he deals with the same thing, but in a different way. Paul says this, but now you must also rid yourself of all such th things as these, talking about your old life, your old ways. Throw away all these rotten garments, as one translation says. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another. Since you have taken off your old self and its practices, and you put on your new self, which being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, or always learning more about Christ, you are being made more like Christ. He is the one who made you. Here, there, this, in this place, he said, in the kingdom, there is no Gentile, there's no Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, all these things, slaver free, but Christ is all and is in all. Amen. How many can see a pattern here? How many can hear a theme here, right? 
And so, you know, years ago, and I've said this myself, and I thought about this, and I've heard people say that really what, you know, the thing with, with God is so great coming to the Lord is that God is colorblind. And I don't believe that for a second because he doesn't make Jews into Gentiles or he doesn't try to get Gentiles into Jews so that we won't have a, a race issue, so that we won't have any divides between us. But he creates one new humanity in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so he's not because it's the beauty, it's that tapestry of all the languages as, we, as John saw in the book of Revelation. It's the tapestry that re really brings that picture together, redemption. That's what's so beautiful about it, amen. That Jesus can bring all the nations together and we come together in Christ, amen, and we share that together, amen. Hallelujah. And so that's what it is. And so, you know, God did not tear down one race to build up another. God used a race in the, the, in the Bible. We see that, that God used one race to raise up a greater race. Hello. God had to come through that. That's the way he chose to do it. He had to come through the royalty and the lineage of David. He had to do this. He had to be represented this way. This, he had to come in Bethlehem. He had to do that. That was his plan. That he could raise up a greater race of people called the church. Called his body. Amen. And so that's what the Lord does. And, he, and so what I found out is that it's not about changing your skin color, but it's about changing your view. It's about changing your perspective. You have to have a kingdom mind. You have to have a kingdom mentality. You have to have a kingdom mindset. Hello, somebody. Amen. And you can't be indifferent to it. You've got to change your way of thinking if you're going to be kingdom-minded. Amen. And everything and everyone should be about the supremacy of Christ. There I said the S word. You've got to be about the supremacy. It's about Jesus. It's not about our own agenda. It's not about our political views. It's not about our cultural past and our traditions. It's not about our, our, that we passed out. It's not about those things. It's about Jesus reigning in the church. And that we love one another the way Christ loves us. Amen. And gave himself for us as a sacrifice. See, Christianity is a religion of distinction, not segregation. It, it's a distinction. I love that about the Lord. He, he, there's a distinction that he makes and at times. That's why he said male, female. But there's that distinction. I love that. But there's no separation that we think of, that we bring, that man brings, that our rules bring. That, and there's no set of legislation that can do what God can do in our hearts towards one another. Amen? It has to be from our hearts. It has to be a heart posture. You can't just say, you know what? you got to force me to love other people. No, it's got to be a heart posture. Amen? And you can't just come from a mindset of this system. This system is without God. It's broken. It's full of destruction and selfishness and pride. Come on. You've got to come from the kingdom. You've got to come from that point of view. And I love that about. See, unity is, is oneness, not sameness. I love that about unity. And the third thing I want to share with you, and just quickly, is that number three is that we live by kingdom principles exclusively. That's kingdom theology. You've got to live by kingdom principles exclusively. You can't have a mixture. I said you can't mix cultural beliefs with Christian beliefs. You can't mix other religions with Christianity. You can't take your idea and your perception of God and mix it with Bible truth and say that's the truth. Hello. We've got to 
receive, and so I, and today, I just want to share this, and again, I'm trying to be very sensitive about this, and, and, but, yet, but yet bold because we've got to talk about it. We've got to say that you can't come from a point of view, and you can't always look at things the way that you've always looked at things before. When you get born again, you have to see things through the kingdom. You have to see things through through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of scriptures. Amen. Come on. Through the lens of Jesus Christ and his love and his grace. Amen. So we have to live by kingdom principles exclusively. People run into problems when they don't live by kingdom principles. When they try to mix worldliness and godliness together, that's where you get in trouble. When you try to put God in some kind of other category with all these other religions, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And you find yourself confused, more confused than when you first started. Amen. I may have tried that. Amen. I need to hurry here. But one of the things we have to understand, again, we live from a kingdom perspective. And that's what I want to convey this morning, is living from a kingdom perspective. According to kingdom theology. Everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary to the kingdom race. Everything else is secondary. Notice in Galatians chapter 3, the very first couple verses, as we read in our text, the very first couple verses, one of the things that he had to address this church is he said, somebody has bewitched you. Somebody came in, you were doing well, you were doing great, you were taught by the, the doctrine of the apostles, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, you were loving one another, and then somebody came in and mixed up your mind. Somebody tricked you into believing that that's God, and it's not God. Somebody tried to tell you that there's another gospel out there when there's really not another gospel. Someone tried to tell you that you need to deconstruct your faith and the Bible, and that's not true. He said somebody, he used the word witch, bewitched you, because that's what witchcraft is. It is a manipulation of the mind. It is a false power. Come on. It is a false power. We'll talk about that around Halloween sometime. But it is a false power and it is a tricking. It is an illusion. And he said somebody brought some kind of teaching in to you guys. And now all of a sudden you think that there's this, you know, male and female. And you've got to have all these. And you can't be. And I'm better than you. And we can't do this. And we've got to have Jewish laws. And no, no, no. He said somebody tricked you into believing. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so how many know I'm talking about? And so one of the things he deals with, and I want to share a scripture in closing in Galatians 2, if you go to the ver chapter before that, is that he had to deal with that they were hanging on to cultural beliefs and practices that superseded the gospel message. They wanted to hold on to Jewish ceremonies. They wanted to hold on to the law of the Levitical law and make that part of the policy of being saved. Hello? And he said, you've got to leave your cultural differences and all those things away. It's got to be put aside from you. You've got to, and then, and so what they're doing is they're trying to, well, let, let's just, listen, everybody needs to vote this way. Everybody needs to think this way. And they were coming from a political point of view and trying to th and make everybody else feel that way. And if you didn't feel that way or think that way, then you're really not saved. If you didn't practice this and you didn't do that and just like the Jewish and you didn't carry some things over from the Old Testament, then you're really not saved. And so he had to deal with this, carrying, holding on to these traditions rather than the kingdom theology, holding on to our ideas, our theories, our, our perception of things and everything and holding on to those more tightly, more dearly than the kingdom of God. And I feel this is what's happening with a lot of Christians. 
they're holding on and embracing a lot of theology, a lot of understanding, I should say, not theology, but a lot of ideas and a lot of theories and a lot of uh, just, just a bunch of ideas and things in the world that do not come from the heart of God, that do not come from the spirit of unity, that do not come from the, uh, the spirit of love and grace. Amen? And they're embracing those things instead of kingdom theology. And they're approaching everything from that view. And they're talking that way. And everything is the theme in their life is from that. How many know that if it supersedes the kingdom of God, it's, it's wrong. I said it's wrong as a Christian. Because we are from the kingdom, not of this world. And yes, you can use uh, things to debate. And yeah, I'm not going to get into that. And you can use uh, arguments and, and God may use it that way. But I'm talking about someone who has it in their spirit. I'm talking about somebody that would rather see, as, as we see here in Galatians 2, rather see their traditions being carried on rather than the kingdom being carried on. They would rather pass down their rules of, of their tradition, is what we find out where they were doing, and saying that's of God, rather than saying what is written and saying that's of God, right? So this is what we're seeing. We're seeing that people are elevating their cultural beliefs, their political beliefs, their, their, their um, you know, worldly practices, and trying to elevate that above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so... This also, again, includes these things. And so, you know, what happens is there seems to be more allegiance to, to the culture than the kingdom. There, there tends to be an allegiance to the country than the kingdom. Uh-oh. Their political party than the kingdom. Sorry. But that's true, isn't it? You cannot build up one thing and tear down another. You can't do it. You just can't do it. And you can't mix one thing with another. This is what we see. Let's go to this real quick in closing. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul, the Bible says, I love Galatians 2. It's one of my favorite verses of the Bible are found in Galatians 2. Love Galatians 2. Right? It's, it's just amazing. We'll cover it in a second. But in Galatians chapter 2, Paul begins to talk about his ministry and how he went to Jerusalem and, and uh, how he met with the elders there. And, and he explained to them the message that he's talking to the Gentiles about. They loved it. They approved of it. And then one of the things he said is, uh, you know, he said, look, he said, uh, while I was in Antioch, I had to call Peter out on something. And he begins to tell this testimony, this account of how he had to confront Peter face to face. Because Peter was backing down on some racial issues. Hello. And he said, you can't do that. And so at the time, Peter, James, and John were ministering to the Jews. And it was okay. And it wasn't like, well, I can't minister to the Gentiles. We see, we see they did. But at the time, they were ministering to the Jews. And Paul, Barnabas, and Titus were ministering to the Gentiles. And the Bible says that they, they affirmed one another. They encouraged one another. He said they offered us the right hand of fellowship. In other words, we shook hands, we hugged, and we were like, your ministry's awesome, keep going for it. That's what he said. But then he said in verse 11, I had to oppose Peter publicly. Publicly. I had to confront him. Speaking strongly against what he was doing, for it was very wrong, one translation says. Hypocritical is another translation. See, Paul was eating with the Gentile Christians. And he was making it seem like, you know what, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, you, know, I, you know, Jesus loves you. I'm a, but then all of a sudden the Bible says that some of the Jews came in. And all of a sudden he got up from the table. <clears throat> I don't, and he, you know, changed Okay, I don't know who they are. I mean, they're, they're the outcasts. Like, I'm with you guys. And he said he began to eat with them. And then he 
even encouraged other people, influenced other believers to reject the Gentiles, eating with them. Next thing you know, we need to, we need to eat with this sect of, of Jews who this particular sect of Jews and this group of Jews believed that they needed to hold on to cultural ceremonies. They needed to, they needed to hold on to these things and these Jewish practices and they said that if you're not circumstanced, you're not, or circumcised, you're not saved. That's what they said. And so here Paul or Peter is eating lunch and dinner with Gentiles who are not circumcised, who don't come under the Jewish law, but yet they're saved and born again. And he's acting like, I'm with you. God loves you. This is cool. And then all of a sudden he sees Jews come in. He's like, I'm out of here. Right? And did it because he was intimidated. He did it because he was afraid. The Bible says he was afraid. He was afraid of what they're going to think. He was afraid of what they were going to say. Think about it. And he said, I've got, I had to confront him. And so he did it publicly in front of everybody. And so he had, to, in verse 14, he said, when I saw what was happening and what they were, weren't being honest about what they really believed and weren't following the truth of the gospel. In other words, their actions were not consistent with everything the good news of Jesus represents. They weren't in line with it. So in other words, they were saying one thing and then, you know, on one podcast and then get on another podcast and they'd run down those people and they'd talk bad about that race and then get on this podcast and they'd talk like they're all friends with these people and they're all cool with this and they believe in that too. Oh yeah, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you know, I really hate that race of people. I mean, that's what was happening, and that's what he was showing. He was saying it, but he was showing it, and so he had to confront him on this, and he had to, you know, and, and this is interesting because he said, you are not consistent with what the gospel teaches us. The gospel doesn't say have lunch with the Gentiles, but then reject them and have lunch with the Jews. The, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ did not say try to force the Gentiles into Judaism and the Jews into being Gentiles. That's not the gospel. Right? So he had to begin to make that distinction. And so Peter um, told him, and he said, I said to Peter in front of all the others, though you were a Jew by birth, you have long since discarded the Jewish laws. They're not really, you're not responsible for those things anymore, right? So why all of a sudden are you trying to make these Gentiles obey them? <laughs> in other words, your life message isn't lining up with the gospel. Your practices what you're really doing and saying about other people, right? Genders, culture, it's not lining up with the word of God. On one, one hand, you believe that God created male and female. And then on the other hand, you believe there's 18 different genders. What is it? It's not lining up with gospel message. Not lining up with gospel practices. Once you're saying that, you know, that, that, that you know, one, one race of people, they're, they're, they're born oppressors. And then you're saying that the other race of people, they're, they're born victims. I mean, what is it? You need to... Be consistent with what the gospel teaches. Hello. And he said that they began to advocate the Gentiles were outsiders and, and, and all these things. And he said, this is wrong in verse 18. We are sinners if we start rebuilding the old systems I have been destroying and try to be saved by keeping Jewish laws. See, it really is about, we're, we're going back to being sinners if we think like the world, if we think according to the systems of the world, if we believe in the theories of the world, hello, that are godless and not founded on the word of God, hello. It proves that we really aren't saved at all, is what he's saying in verse 21. And then in verse 20, my favorite verse of the New Testament, one of them is that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives. And the life I now live, the real life I now live, not my life when I'm with the Jews, 
and then my life were the Gentiles. No, my real life, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, right? And then in verse 21, he says, I can't dismiss God's grace. I won't. If being right with God demands on how we measure up to the law when Jesus sacrificed on the cross, this is the most tragic waste of all history is what he's saying. And that if God's grace isn't good enough, if we don't live by the code of the kingdom or the, or the theology of the kingdom, then Jesus died in vain. If we don't stand on the word of God or what's written and what we see in the scriptures, then our opinions are just a waste of time. If we elevate our, our cultural beliefs, our political beliefs, our this and this and this and our traditions above what the word of God teaches us about unity and love and grace, then all that Jesus did is in vain. Then you really, really can you say that you're of God is what he's saying. Amen. How many know that's sobering, right? Because the kingdom of God is exclusive and it's exalted above every other system, both in the natural and in the spiritual. Amen. How many believe that? It's number one. The kingdom of God is number one. It's number one. And so really it's, 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 it's not an issue of, of these things. It's a, it's a kingdom race theology that we've got to live by. Hello. That we have to live by. If we don't live by it, then we can just say we're not of God. We're not of the kingdom. We're of the world. But how many believe that you're of the kingdom? <laughs> and that there is a kingdom theology Amen. There is a way of the kingdom. The Bible says that Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Setting every other system in line. Setting those that are bound according to tradition and according to culture, they're bound. He's setting them free. And those that were elevated were brought low. And those that were low were brought up. Amen. And th that which was crooked was made straight because of the gospel. Amen. And so we don't need any crooked teachings as Galatians. He was saying, we don't need any crooked belief systems. We don't need to believe anything that's crooked and out of order. We need to believe what the kingdom of God teaches and the theology of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. How many believe that? Amen. Can we stand on our feet today? I want to share one more thing about the kingdom theology if I could. And again, this is all by the, according to the word and just check this according to the word. But the last thing I want to share with you today is that one of the things that the, there's a kingdom theology is that we have to understand and keep this in mind that if I could just put it this way, we are the coming attraction of the kingdom of God. How many love trailers? How many love watching trailers? You'd rather watch a trailer of a movie than the movie. But how many have to watch a trailer? Anybody? How many ever do watch a trailer? You have to go to, to you know, to, to uh, uh, the reviews. You've got to see what the movie says. What is this like? Okay. How many are like that? You, you, you're that way. And, you know, what they call the hot clips. It's those little clips of the movie. It's just the, the bits and pieces of the action to get you to watch the whole movie, right? Sit through that two, two hour and 15 minute movie, right? Because you watch the trailer. And so because the trailer is really good, you're going to watch the movie. Some of you just waste your money and go see the movie and you don't like it anyways, right? But, but we are, amen, that coming attraction of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is coming to this earth. Hello. The kingdom of God is going to become the kings of our Lord Christ. All these kingdoms are going to become his kingdom. The kingdom of God is going to rule and, it rules and reigns now. But one day it's going to be the only thing ruling and reigning. 
And we're the coming attraction of the kingdom of God. The Bible says that we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because one day this kingdom is going to reign here on this earth. Amen. Do you believe that? I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And you're that movie clip. You're that little hot clip that people look into life and see, oh, this is what Christianity is. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. Wow. These people from every race, color, gender, I mean, and, and all this generation, the older, young, they can get together. They can worship God together. They can love one another. They can win the lost together. They can, amen, take over the community together. They can build and love and live together in beautiful unity. Amen? This is the coming attraction. That's what we're supposed to be. This coming attraction of the kingdom of God. And so we've got to work on this, don't we? Some of us today, we, we've got to put some things down. And others, we've just got to be educated about some things. And we've got to come to the place that, that our culture and our ideas and our viewpoint and our, uh, aren't elevated above the kingdom of God. And then we're not being influenced by an ungodly system that can't be full of love, that can't be full of peace because they don't have the God of love and the God of peace and the God of unity, the God of harmony. They don't have them. They reject them. They, want every, they don't want anything to do with the God of love. Come on, and the God of unity. So what do you get as a result of that? You get temporary peace. You get temporary love. You get something that looks like unity. You get something that looks like harmony, but it's not. It's only through the kingdom culture. It's only through the kingdom theology that we can do these things. The community is not embracing cultural, political views on race or gender. It's not, it's, that's not community. But community is embracing Jesus Christ and his cross. I believe that. Amen? There's some things I want to share about community. I'm not going to get into it. I just want to leave you with a quote from a Christian author, Alan Hirsch. He said this. He said, the best evidence for the gospel is a community that lives by it. So we're not just concerned about the gospel doctrine, even though we are. We're, we're concerned about a gospel culture. <laughs> gospel culture that says that the gospel reaches the untouchable, the unwanted, the unlovely, the uninvited, the unwelcome, and all, come on, all social classes, all race, all gender, it, none of that. The Bible says in one translation, that's not important anymore. Oh, well, it is important. Well, it's not like we think it's important. Come on, it's important to God, but it's not elevated like you think it is. Not, it's not that way. It's, he, that's why he said there's neither Jew nor Greek. He breaks down every wall of partition. He, he, he just continues to, to smash all these things. And so I want a gospel culture. I want a gospel culture that says whosoever will come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, and confesses that he is Lord and his sins can be forgiven and is baptized in water and becomes a disciple of Jesus, his sins can be removed. Come on, somebody. Amen. And they are part of the body of Christ. You don't need to pay money to a church. You don't need to do all these works. And you are part of the body of Christ. You don't have to, we don't have to try to like strive and, and invent unity. We need to walk in unity. Let's walk in that love. So today, I just want to, in closing, encourage and just kind of challenge you a little bit that don't, don't be proud in your race that it causes you to sin. Don't be proud in your gender that it causes you to sin. Don't be proud in your social status that it causes you to sin. Hello. Because today what we're seeing uh, as far as the confusion in gender is nothing more than pride against God. Pride the creator. Come on. And so don't let that 
you're proud in, in this, these things cause you to sin against other people. And so today I want to pray, this morning I want to pray that maybe some of you struggle with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness because of these things that are being talked about and discussed and things that are going on in our culture. Maybe it's just, just brought up some trash and junk and it's just some dirt's come to the surface. Maybe you realize that, wow, I'm being influenced by culture more than I realize. I'm being influenced by the systems of this world and the ideas of this world and the philosophy of this world more than I realize. So today I want to encourage you just to come to God, surrender those things, yield to Him, get healing today. And some of you may need to pray because you're just simply indifferent. You don't care. This isn't a big deal to you. It's like, who cares about this? I'm tired of hearing about this. You're indifferent to it. You need to repent today. It needs to become a big deal to you. And I'm not talking about the arguments that are in the world, but the fact that, amen, that we need to go to every, every creature, every person, and love them as Christ loves us. Come on, somebody. So some of you may be indifferent. Some of you just be like, I don't care. But you need to repent for not caring. <laughs> amen. Aren't you glad that Jesus cared? Aren't you glad that he cared enough to give us this principles? And finally today, I want to pray for those that maybe you've just been influenced. You've been influenced by the system. You just, you just are bound by this. It really has become... A, a, just kind of a, a, an oppression in your life where you're just so bound by what culture is saying. I don't care what TV, radio, or news you listen to, podcasts, but you find yourself in a place that you're not thinking kingdom thoughts. You're not living according to the kingdom because you're being influenced by the culture. Because you're just, you know, you look at people and you just think, man, that's ridiculous. Man, I, and you get angry, you get upset, you think it's ridiculous, you think people are, you know, and there's no way, and those people need to change, and that needs to happen. You're just influenced by culture. It doesn't, when you see the news, you're not thinking kingdom thoughts. You're not thinking about the kingdom of God. You just think about what they're telling you to think about. You're just, you're just looking at people the way they want you to look at people. And you're getting caught up. How many know... There is a spirit in this world that needs to be broken. There is a spirit. When you come to Jesus Christ, there is a spirit that is on you, that is broken through Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's a spirit that's in this world. And, and that spirit, is, is you find it on you and you feel, you feel it just kind of influencing you. And you, you just say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but you can understand. You're just being influenced. And today you just say, Lord, I, 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 just forgive me for being influenced, not by your word, but by news or by this or by that or my friends or my family. And I'm being influenced by my culture. Lord, I pray that you would just allow me to see the Bible for what it is and be influenced from the kingdom and have that kingdom raise theology and not be influenced by this present day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we just thank you for your word. And we just thank you because you're so much a better preacher, minister. The Holy Spirit ministers so much better than we can. But we pray this morning that we would just have, Lord, a heart of the love of Jesus and the mercy and grace of God, Lord. That we would not just elevate our political views and our cultural views and all these things above the word of God. But we would come to a place that, Lord, we want to be kingdom people that we are created to be. And we want to live that way think that way, talk that way. We want to have the kingdom actions, not just the kingdom conversation, but the kingdom actions in what we do so that we can be that world premiere, that, that, that trailer to the world premiere, that trailer, that, that coming attraction to this is what the kingdom of God represents. There's hate in the world, but there's love in the kingdom. There's unrest in the world, but there's peace in the kingdom. There's division in the world, but there's unity in the kingdom. There is divide, but 
but there is unity in the kingdom. Lord, we pray that we would have a kingdom theology today. We just bless you and thank you for everything that you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen.